0: World of real and virtual auto sport meets. Mad Sim Racing Media presents the Into the Apex podcast.
1: It's that thing of like trying to do everything too quickly and getting nothing done. I open, lift myself, open, watch, and go out. 25 seconds, me out of the car, the next driver in, door closing away from the car. This thing's so fucking tight. I kind of felt that I I, I might be out of my depth, you know, that it was too much too soon. Yesterday I made the decision mentally to not worry anymore, just try and enjoy it, like you said, relax in the car and do what I can do, you know, at the end of the day, that's it. You drive on your limit, that's it? Yeah. And this is Into the Apex, back with Tyler Beeman, Bradley Beeman, and Rob Gregar from MadSimRacing.com. Uh, We were just talking about uh, Bradley's latest obsession, the Michael Fassbender uh, Porsche YouTube series. Bradley, I think you have already watched the latest one. You watch those things uh, religiously as they come out, right? Well, I've not been watching it, I wouldn't say religiously as it comes out. (laughs) You're just Um, a big fan? A big Fassbender fan? (laughs) Well, I liked him in uh, *Inglorious Bastards. That's the first time I saw him. His his scene in that (laughs) film, uh, when they're in the basement, is still one of the top film scenes, in my opinion. At least of my lifetime. Yeah, it's a uh, a tense one. Oh, yeah. But anyway, I I stumbled upon it. I'm not even sure how I stumbled upon the series and ended up sharing it. But uh, yeah, I've been watching them as they come out the last couple of weeks as I've found it. But I only found it maybe three weeks ago. Uh, But they're short clips, so we kind of delved right into it. it's easy to digest it's like uh geez six to 12 minutes or so it really they really condense it down but it's well edited i mean it's it's uh they put a lot into filming it but it's pretty it's like a little 12 minute kind of uh european lemas series reality tv bit in a way
0: yeah it's like they ramped up like a whole one like it's like put a whole bunch of production value into it but probably didn't have the money to make 30 minute episodes of that quality or something but they're like they're really well done even though they're short
1: yeah they're they're a thing of beauty and they obviously work because Brad, bradley's obsessed with porsche now <laughs> and mad sim racing as a team as a sim racing team we're all bmw we, we started out all in on the bmw's and uh, Bradley's all about the Porsche now. Oh, no, I'm I'm still all in on BMW. I mean, as a brand, I mean, you can appreciate all of the cars. Oh, yeah, and I both do. German, Except for but, Ferrari. Uh, I just don't like Ferrari for some reason. Yeah, yeah, I'm not a fan of Ferrari either. Yeah. Um, and, I, I mean, I enjoy driving the, the Corvette uh, C8 that we're racing now in our Challenge Series, but I'm still, overall, not a big Chevy fan. Yeah, I'm not. That's in r- real life as well. I've driven Chevys, uh not in my personal car but in a work capacity and they just fail. I've driven two Chevys uh, professionally and they didn't didn't last. They just had troubles. So maybe it's an American car thing. <laughs> yeah, I've not had issues with Ford so far, but uh, some of the European cars, I mean, obviously if you if they put a, a Ford Mustang or a Camaro in front of you or a BMW or a Porsche, what are you going to choose? Probably the BMW or the Porsche. Yeah, I mean I'll take I would still take the BMW if I had the choice. Um, but I would love to race and drive a nine-eleven at least some point. Yeah, something about the the Fastbender series does I mean it's the way it's set up. It's obviously it's a marketing project for Porsche, but it does make you want to kind of jump in. I do want to race the Tag Your series, kind of like how we'd get into the BMW Sim Cup 120. I wouldn't yeah. mind getting the the porsche to to drive it in the tag your series just to do something i that's special with i racing those events that they do are obviously marketing tools for some of these companies oh, yeah. but they're also really cool
0: yeah some of them just, it just it all depends like some of these manufacturers have just kind of gone all in on the sim racing and they kind of see the the landscape moving forward and they're they're being early adopters
1: yeah i mean i'm glad Definitely, the two that have the most buy-in in iRacing are Porsche and BMW, with the yeah. BMW Sim Cup, and then the Porsche has multiple sponsor series, including the top tier. Which I don't know. That's kind of a good thing to to bring up um, a bit of my sim racing viewership over the years. Um, I'll never forget, and I can remember, and you probably, Tyler, remember too, when we first got into iRacing, and it was about when it opened up, 2010. Um, I remember watching the top tier. I think it was called the World Championship, Grand Prix Grand Prix World Championship. It had mm-hmm. some type of fancy name. Yeah. Uh, but was it that the was Gregor Hutu series yeah. where he yeah, dominated? That, <laughs> yeah, that was the one where he raced uh, Ilka Hapala, some of those other top tier guys that I, I haven't seen their names show up in the top tier road series that is iRacing now, which would be the Porsche Esports Cup is see i'm i can i have to claim ignorance on that the porsche esports cup tell tell me more about that if you know more about it because i haven't looked into that as much um honestly i haven't i don't follow it very very closely <laughs> so i you, you've you kind of asked the wrong person that question <laughs> i was really more bringing that up to uh because we were talking about the porsche being the now the top tier that i guess you could call it 10 tops type of car and series took over for what would be should be the top tier which is the mclaren f1 car yeah that um, that definitely went by the wayside yeah i mean that's well that's a sign of that's money right there i believe i mean sponsorship from porsche said hey make this the top tier series and we'll provide you the the championship pot and all this other stuff um and of course i racing obliged them and i can't fault them there i mean it's i've always heard and my understanding is that that porsche 911 car is, if you can drive that car that's the step one to driving a race car. And that's probably why they put fast in the car to bring it full circle. It's a good trainer car. So the Porsche GTE. Yeah. To the RSR. Okay. Cause we're, I mean, everything, everybody we follow, uh, Derek DeBoer, who gave us a shout out after our 24 hours of Le Mans, he drives the, uh, Porsche GT car, the Cayman, uh, for GT America, uh, kind of, a gt4 tier sports car series in the north america and that's a good looking car too i do appreciate the look of the porsche oh yeah definitely see having seen it in real life um, both the rsr and the uh, gt3 at uh, charlotte i mean they're lovely cars i mean they're gorgeous Um, they sound probably one of the better sounding cars um, on that track um, in real life, um, and I, yeah, it's a shame that they're, that the RSRs are going to be leaving the, uh, the IMSA series, um, I mean, of course, the uh, Porsche Cup, Sprint Cup, or whatever it's called, has a long title, but uh, that series is going to be even stronger in 2021 for IMSA. Um and especially with the new 2021 uh, Porsche 911 Cup car that's coming out, which if you haven't looked at images of that, I would strongly encourage that you Google 2021 Porsche 911 cup because um, there's some sneak peek pictures people took um, on track where they were testing it. Uh, what that's uh, going to be taken over well let's we'll find some of those pictures and throw them up on the show notes on the podcast. How about that uh, at madsimracing.com uh, and click the podcast link up top. We'll put some pictures or links to pictures up there. Uh, Rob is somebody that's uh, somewhat that's under a year still into sim racing and i racing specifically. What, uh, as far as content, I mean, obviously all of us, uh, even I, as I got back into it in February of 2020, uh, it's expensive to get all, you can't be in the 100% club. I know Bruce Perry, our endurance director, he's in the 100% club, has everything. What sports cars do you have so far?
0: I have, oh, geez, I got quite a bit, actually. I Might have iRacing open here and I can even just take a look, but like I got, I've got I got most of the GT3s now. I got uh, quite a few GTEs and I've got a handful of open wheelers too. Like I've got quite a few on the roadside now.
1: Yeah, it's it is kind of addicting. I mean, you it'll get you. I you sit there and look at them in the in the store long enough and you'll want a little bit of everything. I I will say that. You just want to see how it sounds, how it feels. That's the great thing about it is they they all do have that different feel. I mean, I I've drove the, uh, obviously the BMW GT at Le Mans and the 24 and any of the open series at Le Mans. But then, uh, we did like a four hours or six hours at Le Mans about a month, a little over a month ago. And we did that in the Corvette since they did the switch and took the BMW out. And I was definitely, my times were way different. Obviously setup has something to do with it, but just the overall feel of it going from the BMW to the Corvette, I will say I did prefer and do generally prefer the BMW, or at least I'm more comfortable in it.
0: Oh, BMW feels like home.
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I definitely agree. Um, I noticed that difference at Watkins Glen, which it may have just been the fact that we were using um, the baseline medium downforce setup, but at right. our at the MSR Challenge this week at the Glen, um, normally I'm pretty good there, and I usually race the BMW, uh, but I, I just could not get the hang of that Corvette at that track. Um, another car I actually have had a lot of experience in, and Tyler, I think you have too, um, the first GTE car that we drove was the Ford, um, and I still have that one, and just check back in with it in a private test session now and again, just to rem- remember how it feels. I mean, it's it's a nice car, um, definitely a little harder to drive than the BMW. That's not See, a, that's not a legacy car one. now, is it? No, no, no. It's not okay. uh, active in any racing series in real life, yeah. but so, I mean, it will be eventually. It's just not... It's it's a beautiful car. It's a shame, really, but it's not. Yeah, it's no longer active. It's so a the, 2017 model. I don't really remember that. I I remember driving it with you at uh, Le Mans in the 24 Hours of Le Mans uh, in the same pl- uh, when we lived together. Basically, we're roommates, and we did driver swaps in real life. And we, of course, were disqualified from the event. So that was kind of our first brush with the 24 Hours of Le Mans. I racing. I don't remember that. I remember. Enjoying it at Le Mans just because I love that track, but I don't quite remember how it drove. It's been so many years now since we did do that. When was that? 2017? Yeah. yeah, I think that was, just, that was just when the GTE cars were released to Iris because they were, when they first were released, I think you had the option of the Ford, which we chose, obviously, and then there was the Ferrari, and then the few others came out. They started coming out slowly. Um, I think, am I, if I'm not mistaken, the BMW was the most recent one, other than the Corvette, right? That I think is true, but uh, as people, especially me specifically, somebody <laughs> that was out of iRacing and came back February of 2020, the uh, the chronological order. I'm not the one to to be breaking that down and giving any takes on it wouldn't yeah. say that. Hey, and it doesn't doesn't really matter. But uh, yeah. it, my memory is though when we we just recently in March switched to BMW when you came full time onto the team and we started opening up. Um, a road series. We actually joined ERA, which is what's basically become of the, or uh, be turned into the uh, MSR Road Challenge. Uh, but we debuted our BMW GTE cars there, and uh, honestly, I, I had the hang of the uh, Ford, even though I wasn't seriously racing, and I racing over the couple of years that passed from now. Um, I would every once in a while I'd see Watkins Glen or some road tracks I liked, and I would hop into that Ford, and it would. I mean, it would handle perfect. I loved how it drove. Um, I recently took it on a, took, took it for a spin at Daytona to see how it felt, Daytona Road. Um, and honestly, it was a lot more difficult to control. And from a VR standpoint, the cockpit view was not as desirable for me as the uh, BMW. So I'm definitely spoiled now with the BMW. It's more noticeable jumping from car to car. Um, I would love to try to get the RSR and, and put them all up against each other and see which one I prefer. Uh, which there is a recommended YouTube video out there. I would suggest everyone watch where a guy actually takes a track. I think he goes on Interlagos and compares each of them uh, with exception of the Corvette because it wasn't released at that time. And uh, his conclusion I think was the BMW was the fastest. If I'm not mistaken, or the the RSR, but he breaks down pretty in a lot of detail, uh, which one he thinks is best and the characteristics of each. That would be interesting to watch.
0: Yeah, i seen a similar one whenever I first got die racing, and I was looking at what GT3 car to buy. And it was the same kind of idea. One track, guy goes out, takes them all out. And more or less, it was like, BMW is not necessarily the fastest, but it's still the one I would tell you to buy. Like, I think most people say the AMG is probably the fastest one, but it takes a little more to get it out of it.
1: Yeah, it seems to be the most popular for sure. Um, and I, I definitely was an Audi guy for... Uh... Most mostly until this team was fleshed out and formed into Mad Sim Racing, we we stuck with the Audi. Um, but I haven't touched the Audi since before March. Um and I definitely like that BMW. Yeah, I'm all i I'm all BMW. I mean I've obviously I've never owned or driven on uh, on iRacing the Porsche, any Porsche, uh, the Mercedes. Except for the nine one nine. But can you really Yeah, call the, that por- a Porsche? yeah the Porsche the Porsche LMP one, true, but it's not <laughs> yeah. the same uh the uh any of the porsches any the mercedes amg gt3 um the ferrari the mclaren uh, never had any of that uh, so i'm interested the porsche especially uh i'm interested in in getting and trying and and you you know it's like a a kid in a candy st- shop you want all of it you want one of everything and you want us and but then you get into wanting a custom livery for every single one and as a sim racing team, obviously it's all expensive anyway. And unless you're doing it for a living, it's uh, it's it's easy to get greedy with these cars. I mean, it's a great it's a great problem to have, I guess, to have you so mean, many options. You mean we're not doing this for a living? <laughs> at least, well, hopefully that's the, live <laughs> the dream. Uh, try oh, yeah. to live like Team Redline or Red Bull Racing esports. You know, if we could run on the same track as those guys and not get yelled
0: at. McLaren selling their headquarters. Maybe we should look into that. <laughs> Did
1: you say McLaren?
0: <laughs> yeah, they're selling that big crazy facility they have.
1: Yeah, the one where there's kind of a a pond or whatever you call that, like yep. <laughs> Puddle behind the building. It's a beautiful facility. I remember as a Lewis Hamilton fan uh, with Vodafone McLaren Mercedes, watching the uh, YouTube or yeah YouTube videos of that facility as he won that championship, and just trying to follow the team.
0: Yeah, I was watching the um, World's Fastest Gamer series on by CBC, CBC Sports the other day, and uh, it, it was all held there, and I was like, man, that is a cool place. I can't believe they're selling it.
1: Yeah, if you actually, uh, in my times of boredom, I've get on to Google Maps and just explore the world with Google Maps and uh, zoom down into random places or try to find landmarks or places, and I've went and searched out that headquarters before outside of London and if you get scroll down on Google Maps and go to Street View, you can actually drop the little guy down, and kind of walk through the facility on Google Maps Street View. It's kind of a weird thing. Oh, really? You that's, can cut. Yeah, weird. you can kind of click your way down the hallways on the inside of the building and see the different F1 cars and McLaren sports cars. They've got, if I'm not mistaken, an F1 an old McLaren F1 car. Like sideways on the wall, like hung up on the wall, like a painting. Almost, it's that. Yeah, do. Color. Yeah, that's pretty cool. It's just a the kind of place you'd want to tour. I've toured uh, Richard Childress Racing and some NASCAR places. I've been to the NASCAR Tech Institute, but I would love to to get inside an F one uh, facility.
0: Yeah, I just put sent in a thing a couple days ago now that they released the tentative 2021 schedule for f1 and it looks like it's coming back to canada i went and got a well, I put in for a quote to see what it would be to get tickets for the race but then also get a trip down pit lane while all the people are working on the cars oh yeah that'd be great
1: for f1 so that's that's where against circuit giles gilles villeneuve circuit oh, yes. thir-
0: 11th to 13th i think there's a couple imsa races that weekend too yeah, that's oh man
1: a, that's great so bradley will be going up to circuit giles villeneuve for that race <laughs> let's go it's, it's actually not far from me i'm i'm just yeah. across the great lake get from you, canada at my current passport. location yeah get your passport and let's go we've been talking about for a while well a while since we've started growing mad sim racing however long that would be about getting everybody together as my, many of us as possible for like the uh Rolex 24 at Daytona or one of those bigger events, I think going somewhere like Coda for the U S Grand Prix or, or I don't know if the Indy 500, some of the, one of those big events easier said than done, but that, that's the pinnacle for us as well is to get out the there I and put
0: in like, I wasn't even, I didn't really know. I was like, I wonder if anyone else would be interested in going to it. So I put in the quote, I put it for eight people Oh boy! and, and I put for the comments, I was like, sim racing building or team building experience.
1: <laughs> Give us a little discount.
0: There you go. Give us an organizational discount. We Yeah, yeah exactly. As a sim maybe racing this, team. No, we're doing this. Maybe we'll get some media passes. <laughs> there we go. Let's that, request would be,
1: that would them. be nice. Uh, I mean, Mad Sim Racing as a team, and we, we t- mentioned the team. Obviously, it's part of our team, but we, we don't want just team members to listen to this. We're trying to reach the broader iRacing audience. But as a team, we're growing our Canadian outreach. Uh, we just had our third Canadian driver join the team here in the last week or so so we've got rob you're on the far east like uh what is it prince edward island is that right yeah, it's
0: fair. far east you can go other than newfoundland
1: yeah i had to look it up on google maps when you first joined and i was like this is the place to be if the world ends i mean there's literally a long bridge to from the mainland to where you live and if if the zombie apocalypse hit you could just blow that bridge and live off of potatoes
0: yeah it's the longest bridge over ice water in the world <laughs>
1: Yeah, it's it's pretty nice, though. You've sent us some, some pictures of the golf courses or the golf, uh, what did you say, links out there. It's pretty beautiful.
0: Yeah, it's the number one golf destination in Canada.
1: And then we have on the far side of Canada, the far west in Vancouver, we have Doug Buchanan. And then we just got a third driver from, God, was it Ontario he was from or somewhere a little more yep, central? Ontario. So our, our Canadian links are very strong with Mad Sim Racing.
0: We might end up getting one more too. I got a buddy who's just putting together a PC now and I'm giving them my old wheel and pedals once my new ones come in.
1: And your pedals, you actually have an interesting uh, interesting story about your pedals. You had some bad luck this week.
0: Yeah, just well, I ordered them. Well, really, it's been going on since August. So I ordered these originally. So it's like, there's nowhere in Canada that sells these. If you order them from any place that says that they sell them, they're actually just having the orders fulfilled by Thrustmaster as like a licensed distributor or something like that. So I placed them through this place called London drugs in August. I think it was. And every month would go by every 30 days. I would email and say, is there any update on this? And they would just say they're on back order. They're expecting to be by the end of next month. And then it'd be the end of the next month. And then eventually I just kind of got tired of it and canceled the order and ordered it from Amazon us and paid the, the couple extra bucks in like the shipping and customs. But I had a bit of a credit on there. Um, so, yeah, ordered them, and they said they were supposed to be here today. I actually have the tracking right in front of me. It says it's with the courier at 9.07 this morning and never showed up.
1: That's, that's just yeah, the that's, way it goes, isn't it? Yeah, that could be dejecting. So yeah, somewhere there's a courier that's setting up I've a build. It's August.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, that's alarming because you don't know what happened, and they could come the next delivery business day, or you could just never see them, and you don't know what to do. Yeah, right um so what was it monday night the pedals that you've been racing with that i think you said you got from toys r us or somewhere like that uh like are they plastic or <laughs> rubber been, or something like that have been from Toys fisher price i think is what you how you described them uh you were, yeah
0: that's that's pretty much the gist of them like they're they're pure plastic they're just the standard two pedal i think called t-gt pedals that come with kind of your entry-level Thrustmaster wheels where they clearly put most of the money for it into the wheel itself and just kind of gave you whatever pedals. So I was driving that at the the Road Series on Monday and I was having a pretty good race. I was felt good. I had a little bit of distance between me and Alex and Jason. I was ahead of them and trying to see what I could do to catch up to the faster guys in front like Doug, Bruce, and uh, Miles, I think it was. Yeah. And just was coming into... Second last turn on, on Watkins Glen and hammered it down because I was passing somebody coming out of the turn before that. And as soon as I hammered it down, I didn't realize that the spring had broke. It's whenever I went to switch and put the the brake on for the upcoming turn that my car just kept moving. And I, I thought I got punted at first. And then when I took my VR set off, I looked and my pedal was stuck down and it wouldn't depress.
1: So, so you probably, that's that's a sand spot. There's a sand trap there. So you probably went, what, straight into the sand and just off, off course, basically?
0: Yeah, straight into the wall, just wrecked the car. Uh, like, full, it was full throttle.
1: And in an LMP2 at that, which those things, yeah. those things are kind of like tanks at this point. We're, we've been talking on the team that we wonder if they'll weaken those up because it seems like the LMP2s can just scoop cars out of the way. Uh, and you have to really do a lot of damage to to affect him, it seems like
0: well you can tell ask bradley a couple of nights ago when we were practicing <laughs> at the roval he decided to see how much time oh, yeah. he gained just cutting through the chicane and punted me in the back and my car was fine nothing yeah. happened yeah yeah that was a lot of fun <laughs> <laughs>
1: i was sneaking up on you i think i shocked you
0: oh you did because i was just in the zone i wasn't really paying attention i hadn't even checked my mirror in a while and the next thing you know i was just like boom <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah, we we confirmed in a MythBuster esque way that an LMP two is not faster than a GTE if the GTE cuts through all of the chicanes If you blow the bus stop on yeah. Daytona and, or Charlotte and, and just stay on the yeah. NASCAR straight, uh huh. If only you could clear your own black flags or penalties, your cut through penalties. Yeah, but, but it, it worked. Yeah, no doubt, and that's uh. Not to talk too inside for those not in the series, but uh, we decided, uh, our se- the series, the MSR Road Challenge, decided to make race number two, uh, basically a, what, what we call a Patience Grand Prix. It's a triple class. It's a GT3, GTE, LMP2 class race at uh, the Charlotte Roval. And that's going to be a wild, tight street race kind of environment for for so many classes. And about an equal number, I think GTEs in the opening race outnumbered the LMPs. But on paper, oh, yeah, for sure. On paper, for the registration list, they about come dead even if everybody showed up. But that's not always a given in any any league at all. So, yeah, I mean, we had uh, around 25 cars total, give or take, um, and I think we may have a few extra that signed on. So it's going to be a, a relatively full field. Um, I think the, the GTE and the GT3s aren't going to be so much an issue together as it is the LMP2s. Um, and it's really just going to be on the the long oval parts of the track. I don't think the, G, the LMPs carry a ridiculous amount of speed through the tight corners because you can only carry so much in there, especially in the bus stops. Now, and uh, this is something that has come up, and it's something you and I did, Bradley, just to be at least thinking or, or meaning well, to be very courteous. Uh, we drive in the GTE class in the series, but uh, speaking more broadly about racing and road racing, multi-class racing in general. Uh, so we were in our Corvettes Monday night at uh, Watkins Glen Boot. And of course we had the LMP2s coming around and lapping us every so often. Uh, and you and I were racing fairly close. So we would communicate with each other uh, and so, so we wouldn't dive bomb each other or, or get each other offline too badly. And whenever one of the faster leading LMP2s would come up on us, we'd communicate and we'd get offline and let them go. Well, there's obviously discussion about the etiquette of that. Uh, obviously, you mean well and you're trying to coordinate, and it it works. I think if you communicate that with enough notice to the the faster class. But generally, I think, and uh, Bruce Perry, our endurance director, and uh, probably the driver with the most experience on road racing on our team uh did let us was bringing up that the etiquette and probably the wiser thing to do is for the slower class to hold their line and uh and just drive their line and the faster car navigates around which that's the that's i think what the generally you should do Uh, and there we were trying to be more patient or trying to be more friendly and and extra courteous and let cars out of the way. So when we get to the Roval or a track like that, or any kind of tight track, um, how long will an L how long is it proper for an LMP2 or faster car? If they're stuck in a bad spot and can't get by to just cruise at a really slower speed behind one of these slower cars, how long does patience last in those situations? I guess
0: we're going to find out. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah, true. I
1: well, I mean, for example, I ran, uh, this week I did the uh, MZ series at Le Mans in an LMP2, um, only my second time racing in an LMP2 in multi-class, um, and all I had to contend with was GTEs. Um, and I didn't run across many, and of course at Le Mans that's a whole different ball game because there's plenty of straights to pass. Um, there was a few occasions, one or two occasions. Uh, where I did just coast. So I'm, it depends on your patience level. I think the majority of iRacers in open sessions aren't that patient. I've found that out. I think we all have found that out. I I mean, I've been that person. Yeah. I mean, you feel it, but honestly, I just don't want to wreck. I want to keep racing. So I'll I'll typically coast behind them. Um, and I, am not going to flash my lights. I just let, let them know. I know they know I'm there and just wait for the opportunity Um, and of course I'm not, I'm very, very, very novice at navigating multi-class traffic in a faster car. Um, and at the same time, I think the majority of, of sim racers and especially a lot of guys on our team are when they're that slower car and the LMP2 is coming or the other, whatever faster class, um, you get a little nervous, especially the leading class. yeah, Yeah. And you want to facilitate letting them by easier and get it to put it bluntly to get it over with um so it's i mean it's hard i definitely understand that i mean in real life you can see that happening where they just navigate around as that slower car is running its line um i guess the thing is you want to be predictable yeah that's that's the word yeah that's the word i see often in discussions about that etiquette and, and what's the smartest strategy with that is predictability that's the key um speaking of i mean blinking lights that's uh, when it comes to slower classes and multi-class, I think we've all seen it and all had the observation that uh, some people out there get really pissed off when you f- uh, flash your lights at them. Really pissed off. I've had, I think I've seen people intentionally wreck others because of having lights flashed. I don't know what the psychology is there.
0: Well, I'm even thinking of when we raised the BMW cup last weekend, um, when I was watching the broadcast, you'd see the, the, the announcers were kind of vocalizing what they thought the drivers were going through. And they'd be like, Oh, look at him. He's flashing his lights. And it's like, this guy's not getting stuck in traffic. And it's like, it's not even a good place to pass. Like he's flashing his lights. Cause he's impatient. He expects the guy in front of him just to move regardless of where it is. Like there was plenty of times where I was out there and there's a guy flashing his lights at me. I was like, yeah, wait till after this turn.
1: Yeah. Uh, I was in that situation. <laughs> and the guy flashing lights at me was Roman Grosjean who we beat in a previous BMW Sim Cup 120, by the way but uh, yeah he, he flashed them at me during in one of the inside corners at Interlagos which was as we talked about in the last episode just a rough area to let anybody buy because you're always coming up to a sharp apex a sharp corner and you basically have to go way wide and and just give it give it up for a while to let everybody buy but the yeah I see I mean there's a certain, I think we all of us or maybe it's just me uh, that gets a little little jolt and a little thrill of hitting the the light flashing button. I know we all do it to each other in testing and practice to harass each other. Uh, they built that feature there for a reason, so why not use it? But at the same time, there is, especially on a dark track, uh, a little bit of frustration when you when your lights are, lights are being flashed at you because it's almost like it's saying, I think you're too stupid to, to get out of my way and yield and follow the blue flag. So I'm going to let you know. And then people feel insulted by it. And really nobody says anything. Yeah. And and my favorite thing, the thing that irritates me the most is not when somebody that's a a lap ahead of me or a faster class flashes me. That makes sense. Um, If I'm running second and you're in 30th, I might flash just to say, Hey, I'm coming in hot. Get out of my way. I'm actually racing for something. Um, And you can, you can think of that, what you will. Uh, What bothers me is when I'm in a race with somebody there's somebody behind me of the same class on the same lap and they're racing and yeah, they might be faster. And several times in road racing, I've had people flash me that are racing me for position. And I don't know exactly what they expect to gain from that. Um, It's certainly not going to be a position because they can earn it. They don't need to flash me to say, Hey, I'm faster (laughs) because you might be faster in this sector and not another. Or yeah. either way, I'm not going to surrender the position. Let's put it this um, way. If you're going to flash somebody in the same class on the same lap fighting for position, you better clear them or you're just an idiot. And usually it's people <laughs> that are just idiots doing that. Yeah, like You I better said. you better make that pass if you're going to give an impatient flash. But then on the other hand, there's the heartwarming uh, light flash. There's the dark track that's, you know, uh, dark twilight or full dark. And I'm the slower car and maybe the same class or different class. And a car is close enough to me to see me. And I pull to the right and flash my lights like, go to the left, good friend. And they do that. And then they clear you. And as soon as they're clearing you, they flash their lights as if to say thank you. And it's kind of an unspoken, positive communication with the lights. and That always makes me feel good. It's the opposite of of the other one.
0: I'm just thinking about it now. I've never once flashed my lights in this game really never
1: and all the road racing and endurance racing we've done and you haven't never i think that needs to change (laughs) you can flash me on uh monday rob yeah flash him on monday you can flash me anytime (laughs) (laughs) you do your flashing on on the real (laughs) road
0: i just have the patience of job i guess
1: apparently so um yeah, I've, I use them. I mean, I try not to use them excessively. Uh, I, I like anybody. I'll use them to express uh, unhappiness and I've also used them to let people buy or just in any of those typical ways. But uh, it's just interesting yeah. how that is. It's an interesting yeah. feature to have on there. It's realistic, but I mean, in real life, in real sports car racing, they're used to kind of irritate and harass when you say. Yeah, maybe so. And I'm with you, Tyler. I I like that they're just, that's something that you can do. Sometimes I'll i will admit it. Sometimes I'm a by myself alone in the dark night of Lama. And sometimes I just want to press the button and watch them flash. Nobody's, <laughs> nobody's <laughs> just around. Just because <laughs> you can. No cars are near me. I just like to see that flash going down the straight. Sometimes I, I'm just bored and I need that stimulation. I won't lie. I've done that before. And it, sometimes it's too dark when the lights flash off that I lose my, my track of where I'm at and you know second. I will to to that point I'll say I did that this week um, at le mans I was racing for a top 5 I was in P6 uh P5 was maybe 3 seconds ahead of me on the last lap of le mans and going down the long straights pretty much the entire way and including into the bus stops and chicane's whatever they whatever it's called um I was flashing the guy nonstop on the last lap to try to throw him off and put pressure That's kind on of him a dick. that's kind there. of a dick move Bradley yeah, but I, I started gaining on I, I'm I'm getting, I it. I have not done that. I will I will join Rob. I have not done that to somebody. Oh, I'll do it that's, all day long. that's distracting to me to be pressing the button and have a light blinking on somebody's bumper. It yeah, does distract the, me to have all yeah, the blinking but, going on. But with the LMP2, it doesn't... Uh, it's not as distracting in the LMP2 because with the LMP2, it doesn't... Like the BMW, it'll turn the lights on and off entirely so you really can't see. With the LMP2, it the lights still stay steady... And yet the top part of them flash. So it's easier to see, but it also throws <laughs> off the guy. I, I was trying it. I'm telling you, I put pressure on him. He knew I was there. He knew I was signaling to him. And it's you like were, this- you were fighting for position on the same lap. Exactly. And you were, how many times would you say you hit the blank button? A lot. So you just held it Just have it just, taped? Yeah, yeah. yeah, you just held it in. Because you know, on the BMW you- GT4, if you hold it in, it'll just go nonstop. Oh, really? Yeah, I've, I've uh, tested that out. Not not I've in the same that. not in the same disrespectful way that you have, but <laughs> I have used it in the BMW GT. This is really breaking down hot takes on on sim car headlights, but we're going there. Um, and I do want to t- talk maybe a, t- a little bit more about night racing uh, and VR because you guys have a different setting there. But yeah the uh, G- the bmw gt4 headlights kind of go up down up down so they're not as distracting they're almost like an emergency car's lights so uh, if you ever want to pay attention to that if you ever get in we obviously are obsessed with headlights and and activating them here but but yeah like i said you guys use vr i don't i love night driving i typically when we've done our endurance races i will uh, be happy and volunteer to drive one of the night stints i enjoy that And I enjoy just driving at night, generally in this in the sim. You guys don't like the transition as much because of your VR headsets, is that right?
0: It's yeah, it's just tough, and maybe maybe it isn't as bad on just a normal screen because all I really have is VR experience. So it's it's like it's just those certain angles. Whenever we, me, Bradley, and Patrick did the twelve hours of Coda, um, there was a one point there where coming into one of the turns, the sun was right in your eyes, and it's just just something you got to deal with for a few minutes.
1: Yeah. I mean, road Atlanta at Petit Lamont, uh, coming down the hill near the start finish line, I actually wrecked us and ran into the grass, uh, just after dark, uh, because I couldn't see the track. I couldn't see where it went. Um, and that's uniquely probably an issue. Yes. In all VR, of course, my headset's probably one of the oldest, um, of all of us that use VR on the team. Um, so that just the, uh, I mean, it's still everything looks good up close. Everything looks okay. It's in the distance. You can't see. You don't have the resolution to see out in the distance as much. Um, Like this week, for example, in the LMP2, as fast as that car was going, I missed uh, the uh, bus stops a few times because I was waiting and waiting and waiting for the cones and the reflection off of them uh, to appear into my vision. And it seems like it takes longer for them to come into vision Whereas on a monitor, and I watched in cockpit view on a replay on my screen, um, you could see it from a lot further away and get that breaking point down just right. Um, whereas it's a lot harder in VR to uh, do that at night. Well, I will, I'll jump on to what you said about uh, Road Atlanta, Petit Le Mans at night. I, that's, that goes beyond VR uh, because as a single monitor uh, driver, Uh, If you don't have a, if it's full dark at at Road Atlanta, and you don't have a car with headlights on behind you at some distance to help illuminate it, it was just as hard. When you, yeah, when you go up that hill after that little chicane and go up the hill past pit road entrance, I mean, that's it's. I get thrown off enough if I don't enter that just right. I'll come over the hill and I'll be on the on the rumble strip curb and almost in the grass if I don't just get it right. And that's during the daytime. But if it's dark. And you round that thing just just not right. That arc and that curve, right? You you go on either the left or the right of one of those curbs, and in the grass, and it's it's all gone from there because well, it's so fast. Yeah, they they also don't have specifically Road America. They don't have it modeled exactly well for for nighttime, right? You're talking about Road America or Road Atlanta or Road Atlanta. Yeah, okay. 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 Yeah, yeah it's, it's not, that it's that particular exactly spot modeled, is that. is pitch black without a car behind you because for a second your headlights, I guess, are. Since it's a hill, they're pointed up or they're just not pointed in the direction that you're turning. Yeah. You're going straight for a second and the turn is arcing right and it's a fast one. And if you if you want to take it fast, you're going to get it lined up just right. And if you don't, you're going to go left over the curb, over the curb and under the grass. Or you'll go right and you'll probably hit the grass and do a little spin because you clip the clip the grass. So that's tough uh, with or without VR at night. But I, my thought, and I've talked about in past episodes, the only VR I have raced with has been Bradley's older VR, Oculus VR headset. It's older. And uh, I found it was tough and fuzzy to see during daytime conditions. So I can't imagine twilight to dark conditions being competitive and not just almost flying in the blind with what you've got. Obviously you've adjusted to it, but to me, that would be tough just with what I've tried and I've not tried probably as good as it gets. Yeah. I mean, me, me neither. Um, but yeah, I mean, you adjust to it. And know we touched on that in one of the previous episodes, right. but I mean, you adjust to it. Um, Rob could probably say the same that, I mean, it sounds like he, Rob, you only have experience on VR. So if you don't really know the difference, then I mean, you, that's what you know and you get good at it. Yeah and the um, I would be interested to see what a a newer version of of VR does for it how I might find that uh because yours is so so old but we've addressed we've talked about that uh quite a bit in previous episodes but um yeah overall uh I think the night driving is is a great aspect of it uh now let's maybe we'll talk night Fog and rain at some point. That would be interesting. I don't think I've driven a fog race uh, so far. You guys that have done Nürburgring, I think, have experienced that. But I've not experienced that myself. Me neither. Yeah, the fog uh, was pretty interesting at Nürburgring, yeah. Um, when I raced there with Felipe, uh, it was extremely foggy. Um, you could still see see in front of you and, and get your corners right. Um, and it, it just felt it felt proper for that track. Um, and honestly, a few of us in that session could swear that it was, it was modeled as such that later on in the race, uh, which it was a four hour race if I'm not mistaken, um, that some of it cleared and you could see some blue sky, which was hmm. accurate. There were parts of it that got lighter and, and darker throughout the track. And then you would um, drive so, back into the fog. Exactly. So it, that's it felt, great. it felt very dynamic. That um, is, that's, yeah. that's one of the few times I've actually seen, that amount of fog in iRacing. racing. Um, of course, you can do a test session and s- customize your weather and and do it yourself. Um, probably depends on your graphics card too. Like Tyler, I know your system's not as strong as mine, uh, so it may not it may cut your performance. It may also not look quite as good. Um, and even mine could be better. Um, I've noticed here lately, mine's starting to lag just a little behind um, as everything ages. Um, so I mean, everything could. For iRacing, everything still could look better, but I don't think iRacing is one of the top demanding games of all time right now. It's no. doing
0: pretty well. Quite, quite the opposite. You can run that oh, at yeah. pretty low spec. Oh, yeah. As,
1: as old as it is. Um, I mean, I, and that's a technical question we could touch on later and maybe find someone that knows a little more about that kind of thing. But I have found myself wondering at, at what point, obviously, iRacing is intending on going on forever or indefinitely. Um, At what point does the engine that it's running on become obsolete? But that's a big question for maybe later on. Future of sim racing, volume. Right. So my vote is, uh, we talked about, we were testing and prepping for uh, the Charlotte Roval in a multi-class race. My vote is to race that at full night with the fog at 100%. How do you think that would go? I think think that's a good christmas uh special
0: <laughs> it's really not a bad idea for the the event on the 18th for christmas
1: yeah the mad some racing christmas party where uh, drinking and driving will be encouraged um we're gonna we'll do a little to... do a little figure eight uh demolition derby i think when that, i think with that the best option will be to turn uh damage on and pick a car but do it in a practice session so you can just hit reset so it'll be like call of duty but on the figure eight and iRacing. racing, you just can respawn and get back into the fray. I, we'll I think that'll our, be interesting. Yeah, we'll have to live stream that with yeah. everybody's. Uh, yeah, somebody, anybody that can the, stream into the mix. Yeah, we'll, have we'll to put that on the YouTube channel. There'll be quite there'll be long form video of all of those events. Let's put it that way. So for anybody that's not involved with the team, because uh, it'll be team only, I can go back and watch that because I think it's going to get interesting. Uh Yeah, we're going to do. Demo Derby on the figure eight. And then we're going to do an oval type of race sprint race in some kind of car that it'll be something wacky, probably damage off. And then maybe a road sprint. My vote's uh, for the Volkswagen Jetta. The Jetta. Is it free? Yeah. I believe it is. Yeah. I will a hundred percent do a car like that at the Roval at night with fog at a hundred percent. I think that would be interesting. Damage off. Cautions off and the and the last one standing wins maybe and do the spec racer <laughs> it'll be, whatever it is it's going to be a content we know everybody has <laughs> yeah. so we're okay. not going to have anybody buying anything extra uh, but we know most everyone will have the roval but yeah that's that's going to be interesting uh, the demolition derby aspect we've been talking about that for a bit because we tend to in our team practices when they go off the rails or we're all about to to get out of it, we we do tend to just fly into each other as, as best as possible and see what happens.
0: But, yeah, I'm looking forward to that one for sure.
1: Oh yeah, yeah, that'll be on what was it uh, Friday the 16th or 18th or something like that in December. 18th. 18th. Um, so anyway, that's uh, we'll wrap up this episode of into the apex. Uh, we want to draw everybody's attention to the team website, MadSimRacing.com. It's more than just a team now. It's a road series. It's a podcast and uh, it's growing every month as we go along. Uh, Check out the podcast page on the website. We have a feature on there uh, called send us an audio message. And that allows you to send us a 90 second audio recording. uh, And you can do that on your phone or on your PC if you have a microphone or headset and give us feedback on whatever topic we talk about in any episode. Currently, we have the standing topic of uh, what is in the future of sim racing ideas that you may have or things you foresee growing or blowing up in iRacing or sim racing and that will be an ongoing uh, episode that we do every now and then with a select topic Uh, so take a look at that in any of our show notes and check out any of our sponsors Uh, check out raise energy rep sports use the promo code mad sim racing same with power headset we've got a lot of different groups and organizations that are Showing a lot of loyalty to iRacing and the iRacing community. So show us a little bit of loyalty back to them. Uh, But until next time, this has been Into the Apex.
0: You've been listening to Into the Apex. Apex. Presented by Mad Sim Racing. Follow and join the team at madsimracing.com.